Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And the older I get, and with each passing day of my sojourn here on earth, I become more and more aware of the truly great blessings that belong only to those who are in Christ. The blessing to which I am referring is my brethren. I have learned that truly no man is an island, and times of joy are so much more enjoyable when shared with precious brothers and sisters in Christ. Times of physical sickness and pain are made so much easier by brothers and sisters who care. And when the dark clouds of death, sorrow, and anguish threaten to block out the sun, it is brothers and sisters in Christ who will be there to share the burden of grief. We are a family. A family that is bound together by something that is much more precious than our own blood and flesh. We are a family that is bound together by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Romans eight fourteen through 17 Paul wrote, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Truly, our brothers and sisters in Christ are one of the greatest assets we have in this life, and I believe one of the great spiritual blessings found in the household of God. My friends, did you ever notice how frequently Paul expresses his love for and appreciation of his brethren? In Romans chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, we find, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, Paul wrote, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4, we find, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. Turning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we find Paul addressing those brethren in this way in verses 2 and 3 and 4. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. In the second Thessalonian letter, Paul expressed the same sentiment in verse 3 of chapter 1. 
He wrote, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith grows exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounds. The depth of Paul's feelings is found in his words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He wrote, I thank God, whom I serve with my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When Paul wrote to Philemon, he said, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Now we could go on with more expressions of love by Paul, but isn't it easy to see that Paul is teaching us to love, appreciate, and be thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ? There are times that I don't know what I would do without my brethren because they are there to rejoice with us when we rejoice and to weep with us when we weep. When there have been burdens to bear, and there have been burdens to bear, it has been brothers and sisters in Christ who were there to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It is a terrible mistake not to take advantage of this great blessing of being a Christian by associating with, loving and being loved, spending time together on a purely social basis, praying with, laughing with, crying with our blessed brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a tragedy not to prefer one another in love. Let's go together to the book of Philippians chapter 1 and we'll be looking at verses 3 through 8. This is Paul again and what I want us to pay particularly close attention to is how Paul felt about these brethren. It is as though in expressing the feelings of his heart, he's limited by language. The Holy Spirit through Paul is telling us how we should feel toward one another. The passage says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Writing from a Roman prison, Paul expressed all the gratitude for all the joy he had found in being with, thinking of, and praying for his Philippian brethren. There are more than just brothers and sisters as we so often use the term today. The term brethren, at least practically speaking, is used to refer to people that we go to church with. But then that is it. When we look to socialize, it was with other people. When a crisis arises at home, it is so often to our earthly family we will turn. Some will be sick and hospitalized and not even let their brethren know. I'll tell you something, if there is a death in my earthly family and it occurred on a Wednesday or a Sunday, it is with my brethren in Christ that I would be that very night or that very day. 
If such occurred on any other day of the week, it is with my precious brothers and sisters in the Lord that I would long to be. So understand what Paul meant when he spoke of his brethren. They were his family. They were his friends, his loved ones. They were his brothers and sisters in Christ. They had been as loyal to him in his work as he had been to them. So precious to him were those brethren that whenever he prayed for them, his prayers were offered in gratitude and joy. Evidently, Paul prayed for them every time his memory brought these brethren to mind. They had supported him financially, but I believe in other ways as well. The letter is filled with indications that they acted as brethren should and supported their brother Paul in sympathy, prayers, empathy, and encouragement. Look at what Paul said in verse 7. He said that he had these brethren in his heart. This is a great deal more than just in his feelings. The brethren were in his thoughts, in his memories, in his plans, and in his belief. They were with him always, no matter where he was and no matter how many miles were between them. They shared in his work, and that is how it should be. Wherever I go, the brethren are a part of me, and I am a part of them. We are co-laborers, joint participants in the greatest work of all. We share as family members in all of the blessings that belong only to those in the household. We are saved and have forgiveness of our sins. We have been joined together in one body through the blood of Jesus. We have an inheritance that awaits us that is incorruptible and undefiled and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for us. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and the eyes of our understanding have been enlightened. We know the hope of his calling and anticipate the glory of his inheritance. There are no people that I should rather be with than with my brethren. Earthly family members who are not Christians do not share with us in those kinds of invaluable blessings. They tie us together more closely than any earthly thing ever could if we truly have our priorities in the right place. Paul's undeniable affection for his brothers and sisters in Christ is found in verse 8 as he called upon God as his witness to his deep sentiments. There is more to say about that, but to call upon God, who alone knows the hearts of man, is to call upon the only one who could vouch for the truthfulness of his statements. Then Paul said that he had such a fervent desire for them with the tender mercies of Jesus Christ. I don't know that I can fully and clearly explain that. The idea is that what he feels for them is more than just mere human emotion. What he feels for them is the affection of Jesus Christ. In other words, he speaks of his love as though it were identical with the love of Christ. Paul was of one heart with the Lord. He had so completely given himself over to him that he loved his brethren with the very heart of Christ. He was so identified with Jesus that Jesus' love was Paul's love for his brethren. And my brethren, you can't get any deeper than that. You can't love any more fervently than that. In our lives, there are other ties by which our hearts are bound together. Some are emotional and some are sentimental. Some are physical due to earthly association, even family association. Some are due to common interests and common sympathies. And I'm telling you that there are none more sacred and abiding than those which come about because of our common relationship with Jesus. 
and because of our earnest cooperation in his service. There is no tie more binding. There is no tie that is more profound. Paul had expressed his love and affection for his brethren so eloquently. Now he remembers his brethren in prayer. That is certainly one evidence of love and affection, and there is none that can be greater. There is no better service that we can render to our brothers and sisters in Christ than to pray for them. And let me tell you, praying for someone is a wonderful way to be be reminded of just how close the tie that binds us together truly is. Since the Lord's church is made up of people, there will be times when there will be clashes. Someone will inevitably get their feelings hurt, and it may very well be that a true wrong will have been done against them. There is not one of us who looked at a perfect person when we looked in the mirror this morning. But you know what? It's awfully hard to be angry with or upset with someone you are praying for. What are the kinds of things for which Paul prayed? Well, look at verses 9 and 11 of Philippians 1. In what may be Paul's most beautiful recorded prayer we find, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve those things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. The Philippian brethren were not lacking in love, neither for Paul or for one another. Yet by his prayer, Paul emphasizes just how vital and important that love is. He prays that their love, which was already being manifested in so many ways, would abound even more and more, really to the point of overflowing. He was thinking of the effect that such growth and love would have on the brethren in their relationship to God, to each other, and to Paul himself. It would make them even more zealous in their service to God and in their service to one another. He prayed that their love would grow in knowledge and in all judgment. He was praying that they would love intelligently. The love that Paul talks about is not some mere sentimental emotion, nor is it blind. Some things are just not worthy of our love. And so his prayer is that his brethren would become even more efficient at recognizing what is worthy of love and what is not. By putting knowledge and judgment together, Paul is saying, come to know what is truly right, truly worthy of affection, and then apply what you know in the way you live. Knowledge that is not applied to life isn't worth anything. It is so interesting to me that Paul prayed that the brethren would grow in this area. And then in chapter 4 and verse 8, he exhorted them to do it and showed them how. What a wonderful thing to pray for and then to exhort each other to. He wrote, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. That is what we need to pray for each other, that we would grow in knowledge and so apply that knowledge as to keep our hearts and minds pure. Paul went on to pray that his brethren would approve things that are excellent. I don't think Paul is praying here that they would possess the ability to determine between right and wrong. He already prayed for that. Here he is going beyond and praying that they may achieve a higher level. 
Paul was praying that his brethren will reach the point where they would approve the things that are excellent, not merely the things that are not bad. Brethren, there are some things that may be right in themselves, but not best for us. It is going beyond just looking for those things that are right. It is looking for those things that are best. Why? So that our lives can be sincere and without offense till Jesus comes back or we go to await him. His prayer is that his brethren would live in perfect openness and sincerity before God and in so doing, give no offense to anyone. I'm telling you, my friends, the kind of life that Paul was praying for his brethren is unparalleled. Nothing that this world has to offer is like it. It involves pure and faultless character manifested in acts of love and service. But we are what we are because we belong to Christ. Only because we belong to him and are united with him can we bring forth the fruit of righteousness. Remember what Jesus said in John 15 verses 4 and 5. Our Lord said, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. My friends, as we look around at our brothers and sisters in Christ, we appreciate the beauty and the unparalleled closeness of the relationship that we have and that we sustain to one another. I'm trying as hard as I can to express just how the Bible teaches we are to feel about each other. I'm trying to explain the incredible joy and peace that comes from association with people of pure and caring hearts. People who would lay down their lives for each other and how it is all to the glory of God. I'm trying to express what it means to be with people who are tied together by the blood of Christ. I just don't think I have the ability or the way with words to adequately express it. But let me close by saying, thank God for the brethren and love the brethren. Just words to think about. Thanks for listening.